Praise the King. We're going to teach some Bible tonight or talk about the Word of God anyway. You know, everywhere you go, you know, you get an opportunity to share Jesus with people, right? I mean, I even went to the Chevrolet house this morning to uh, get something, get a computer reprogrammed. I couldn't do that part, so I took a little Chevrolet car down there to get it reprogrammed. And I did not realize that when we change a computer and you put the power to it, and it thinks, I don't understand these cars, but this thing automatically locked itself out for a half hour, a little over a half hour. It thought you were, it was trying to be stole, and you couldn't even program it. <laughs> so it, it, went, it went into lockout for over a half hour. So I had, couldn't have nothing to do. So I just went up front and walked around, you know, and talked to people and met people. And, of course, I thought divine appointments. You know, I'm walking around up there looking at the new cars, you know, and, of course, the showroom there, they had about eight or ten brand new, those Corvettes, you know. I'm looking at 58,000, 63,000. And I thought, one of the, the salesmen said, can I interest you in one of those new cars? I said, no, sir, I'm just looking. I said, I'm waiting uh, to get back there to work on a car again in a minute. And uh, I said, by the way, now that you've asked, though, I said, are you a Christian? <laughs> he said, I sure am. I said, you go to church? He said, I sure do. I said, good. I said, do you believe the Bible? He said, of course I do. I said, all right. You really think you believe this book? He said, no, sir. I know I believe this book. I said, okay, we're going to find out. I began to ask him what he would do with certain promises of God. He said, well, wow. He said, I guess something that powerful. He said, I didn't know that was in there. I said, that's what I thought. <laughs> so anyway, I said, see, I said, I have never met a human being yet that really believes God's Word fully. Never met one. I don't. I don't. I try, but I don't. You know, if you really could do what God says, just like I told him. I said, our king made us such a great and awesome promise in Matthew 17, chapter 17. He said, if you have faith and don't doubt, nothing shall be impossible with you. That's a pretty awesome statement, isn't it? It's a big statement, you know. And so, as we talked a little while, and I told him, I said, you know, let me give you, an, I said, do you see any uh, miracles or signs and wonders in the church you go to? He said, well, no. I said, let me tell you a couple, you know. I told him a couple, and he, when I was telling him, and some of them wasn't real big and powerful, you know, but they were pretty decent ones. I told him about Philip's warts, you know, and as soon as I told him, I said, and the warts all come off. He said, that's unbelievable. I said, I said, see, I see in your eyes and hear in your voice the unbelief. But I said, I used Matthew eighteen nineteen where Jesus said, if two of us on earth agreed about anything, he'd do it. I said, so see, you say you believe God's Word, but you don't. And I said, see, so that's what's wrong with us. And so he said, you mean they really came off? I said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And so I told him about two or three or four little miracles. I only had a few minutes, so I told him a few little things, and and, you know, he said, I, I, I never met anybody that talked like this. I said, well, what a shame. And he said, now, what did you say your name was? I said, it's Thurman Scripter. I spelled it for him. And so I didn't have a card with me. 
So I went up there, and the car's still locked out. The computer's still locked out, and we can't do nothing. So I just went back up there to the waiting room and sat around. <clears throat> I sat down a few minutes, and then a few minutes this guy walked up, and he tapped me on the shoulder. And I looked up, and there was this guy. His name was Mike. He said, Mr. Scrivener, I took your name and entered it on the Internet. He said, I found your website. He said, you're an awesome man of God. He said, there's all kinds of miracles and signs that followed you. I said, well, praise the Lord. He said, I want to shake your hand again, and I want to give you my card. He said, I'm so grateful. He said, I'm going to order some of your stuff off the web. I said, praise the Lord, son. I said, it was a divine appointment that we met today. It was by divine appointment. Now then, like I tell you, like I've told everybody, you know, like Sharon, she knows this. Of course, uh, you know, Sharon, I don't guess had seen any miracles or healings or anything until about three years ago. And then she saw her own. And then, of course, like I told her today when we were out there when I came back in and she came uh, to the ministry center to work, I told her, I said, you know, a lot of people, when they call in Sharon, and we was talking about some, they want her to pray for them and them to be healed. And she said, well, you know, you need to get in the Word for yourself. I said, yeah, that's a difference, Sharon. When you heard the Word three years ago, you've come to every healing school. You've come to every Tuesday night Bible study. You've come to every Sunday service. And you then after that, you go home and listen to teachings and get in the Bible and read and spend time with God. And I said, for three years you've done this. And people want to know why God answers your prayer now? Hey, I have your answer. This girl has become dedicated to put God first. Now, see, God's no respect to a person's. It don't make any difference with Him who you are. I mean, the name Sharon, don't move His hand. It's her dedication in the Word that moves His hand. Is that right, Ty? He is her love for Him. You know, so it makes no difference if you're Ty or Sharon or Thurman or Keith or whoever. He is only moved by faith. Only moved by faith. And so when you get in His book and believe Him, many of you have seen God answer your prayers in some small ways and some of you in some very powerful ways since you've learned how to touch God's hand by faith. After obedience... You know, when we work, walk in obedience to His Word and spend time with Him, I think about this young man over here with this lovely lady sitting there on his, got him all hugged up there, you know. She must love him a little bit, you know. Now then, when she loves him like that, see, she can come to him and say, Honey, I need this. He said, Sure, anything you want, huh? <laughs> but if she never done anything for you, you know, wouldn't go nowhere with you and then come and say, Honey, I need something. And you say, Well, I'll do, I might do the best I can to get it for you. But, you know. But if she's hanging on your arm, loving you, and do everything you want her to do as your wife, hey, you'll do everything you can to do what you can when she wants something, won't you, sir? Sure, you will. Well, now, see, that's exactly the way it is with God. You know, we got to put the king first. I mean, Dave's favorite answer when somebody calls and they say, Well, I'm having trouble getting healed. They said, what's your quiet time like? Well, I mean, I went to church last Sunday. Well, how about, that's been a week ago. What have you done since then? Well, I mean, I, I, um, I, I, I read the Bible about an hour this week. They said, you need to spend some time with God. You want to get healed? You're going to have to get in the Word. But I, I miss my favorite television shows. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. You want to know why you don't get anything from God? You're going to have to spend some time with Him. In fact, I'm not going to teach on this tonight, but coming down here this afternoon and a little earlier, I was reading in Ezekiel over chapter 8, 9, 10, along in there. And it's amazing how Ezekiel was translated. Uh, a being came and got him, and this being was an awesome-looking creature. You know, the lower part of him was fire, and, you know, it's, it's just awesome what God can do. And this being reached over and grabbed him by the hair and translated him over to the Jerusalem, to the temple. And all of a sudden, he's standing there looking around, and he says, I want you to look at the sin in this place. And he began to take him to different places where people were worshiping different things, idols, and, and the women were worshiping idols, and you name it. He said, I'll show you even a greater sin. He'd take him to another place. He said, look at what my people are doing, worshiping all these dumb idols. And he said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go through the city and I want you to look at everybody and everybody that does not want to be involved in sin. I want you to put a mark on their head. He said, if they want to be involved in this sin, don't put no marks on them. Only people, when you say, do you want to be involved in that sin? No, I don't want nothing to do with that. Do you want to watch them nasty shows on television? No, I don't want to do not I don't want nothing to do with them. He said, put a mark on their head. They're my people. They want to be obedient. They want to serve me. Now, this is interesting. You ought to read this if you haven't read this lately. This will kind of bust your bubble on who God is. You know, people think God would never do nothing like this. But if you go back and read Ezekiel 8, 9, and 10, and 11, you'll find out. That's what it teaches. So he says, after you go through the city and you put a mark on all the people that do not want to be involved in sin, he says, then you call these men in, have them come in, have them take their clubs and have them walk through the city and have them kill every man, woman, and child that does not have the mark on their forehead. That's awful, isn't it? You think God likes sin? I don't think so. Wow. Are we glad for the blood today? If it wasn't for the blood, man, this God that hates sin, you know, He had to send His own Son to pay the price because we couldn't do it. Otherwise, He'd still be wiping us out just like that. But He still don't like sin. And today, tonight, this evening, we're going to start in Jude. We're going to go back there to Jude, to 17. 16. Actually, I'll go back up a couple of verses above that. Uh, we'll go up there where, where Enoch. Now, Enoch, who lived seven generations after Adam, prophesied about these people. This is in the book of Jude in the New Testament. The last book before the book of Revelation. He says, Jude says, look. The Lord is coming. Do you know He's coming again one day? He's coming again. Boy, you better be ready. Oh, by the way, I don't know who sent me when I'm talking about the Lord coming. That just clicked. Somebody sent me an email about some guy. I don't remember who sent it. I get so many. It talked about a man that says he's, he is in 
charge of a ministry called something about the New Living Grace or something like that. And so I went and looked up the website. And he has a website. And they have video interviews of him and places he goes. And they ask him, who is he? He said, I'm Jesus Christ. I have returned. He has a million followers. Most of them are Spanish. But he has a million followers already across the world. I mean, this guy has already got people all over the world. And here's what he teaches. I mean, it's, he, it's there. You hear him say it. What do you think about sin? Oh, said, so there's no such problem as sin. There's, there's no longer any sin. Nobody can sin anymore. Everything's okay. Everything's legal. No well, what do you think about the devil and his demons? He said, that's Hollywood. Hollywood talks about Satan. That's no real such thing as the devil and his demons. That's just a figment of their imagination. This guy's got a million followers. Now, you don't have to do anything the Bible says. You're free to do everything except one thing. You know, guess what the one thing is you've got to do? More than tithe. Not give a tithe. You've got to give more than a tithe. Millions of dollars is coming into his ministry. It showed pictures where people were there. They were giving their money. Some guy gave him a big home in Florida, which he sold for over a million dollars. He has been given cars. He's driving... Uh, BMWs, you know, it's amazing, you know, that how you don't have to obey anything in the Word of God, except you got to tithe because I'm the minister. you got to tithe or you can't be a member of my church. Isn't that amazing? But he says, I am Jesus Christ. I am God. I have returned. And there's a million people stupid enough to follow this guy. Uh, that just amazes me. But did our king say, in these last days, there would be multitudes of them coming in my name? And he said, they'll believe. He is. See, when he came in his own name, nobody believed him, hardly. Nobody. But he said they, they wouldn't. But he said, there'll be others that will come that say they're me, and they'll believe that they are who, that they are me, Jesus. But he said, don't believe them. He says, when I come, you'll know it's me. You know, you'll know it's me, guarantee you. So, Look, the Lord is coming with thousands of His holy ones. I wonder how He explains that. When He came back, He didn't bring nobody with Him. He's just by Himself. It's amazing. You know, you know why we are deceived by every little whim and wham that comes along? You know why we're deceived? Because we don't read the book. We do not read the book. The average Christian... Never reads this book. I mean, I was an average Christian most of my life. You know, I went to church. I was even a Sunday school teacher. I taught the Bible. You know, I read it, but I didn't believe it. You know, I really didn't. You know, you can be a good Christian, go to church all your life, and never see God answer a prayer. Never see a miracle, never see a healing. I mean, you never. And I did that for 40 years of my life. Never. But thank goodness the last 20 has been different. 30 has been a lot different. Then he says he will bring the people of the world to judgment when he comes again. He will convict the ungodly of all the evil things they have done in rebellion 
And of all the insults that godless sinners have spoken against him. (coughs) These people are grumblers and complainers. Are there a lot of them out there? Unfortunately, there's too many of us in the church. That's one thing, Dave and I, we have been put to the test. We ride around a lot together. We talk about the Word. We work on our airplanes and things together. But we now it doesn't matter what happens. I mean, we just praise the Lord. You know, I mean, Cheryl and I went out last night to go flying. I told her, I said, you hadn't been in the Mooney yet. I'm going to take you flying. So we get out there always five or four o'clock, five o'clock. We had all kinds of time. We left the minister center. I wanted to fly around in the daytime. I wanted to be able to see some things. We get out there. I flood the airplane and can't crank it. Run the battery completely down trying to start the thing. I've never done that before in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Did I grumble and complain? Nope. Nope, nope, no. Lord, thank you for another test. I'm going to pass my test. I said, we'll just go back to the house and I'll get a pair of jumper cables and we'll come out here. Of course, we come out there and of course, it's a new airplane. I don't know where the battery's at. Can't find it, see. <laughs> Pull panels off of this thing, over the front, the back, look under the seats, everything. Finally find it in the back. That took me an hour. Am I grumbling his complaint? No, praise the Lord. Lord, I know I'm going to find this battery sooner or later. We finally get it. Finally. Finally found it. <clears throat> Put the jumper cables on it. Let it charge a little while. And I get in there and crank it. This time, we okay, no problem. Got it started. Now it's after dark. You know, it's already after dark. I'm thinking, do I want to go flying now or not? You know, I'm a little bit. I said, okay. Okay, we're still going to go. So we put all the panels back on it and pull out on the end of the runway there and check everything out and take off and fly out there. And we fly over to Denton. And of course, usually, you know, we never fly this early. You know, usually it's, Denton's open the tower till 8 o'clock at night. So I'm, we're always 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning when we're out flying at night. So I thought, well, I'll call in and just tell them I'm going to shoot an approach over there. When I called in, the guy called me. So he come back. He cleared me for an approach. I said, oh, you guys are still open. He said, yeah, we're open from 8 to 8. I said, oh, yeah, it is. It's 15 minutes to 8. I'm out early tonight. <laughs> so anyway, he said, you want to do a full stop? I said, no, I just want to do a touch and go. Well, we did a touch and go whenever we touched down and started off. Uh, a breaker on the alternator popped. <clears throat> okay. Now it's night. you got all the landing lights and everything else on the alternator's not working. I said, isn't that something? So I said, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I ain't grumbling and complaining. So I reset the breaker and the alternator wouldn't reset. It didn't come back on. So we flew back over to Northwest and we landed there without the alternator working and everything, you know. We pulled up there and I just pulled up to the hangar and backed it in and said, thank you, Lord. Thank you that we got home safe. No problem. So this afternoon I told Dave I was working on some other stuff and uh, other people's stuff today, and I told him, I said, let's just, we got down to a point where I had to wait on some rotors being turned. I said, uh, let's run back out there and see if we can find the problem with that alternator. 
We go out there, pull the covers off, check it, the battery's full, charge kicks right off, everything's working, works 14 volts, everything will work perfect. I said, I guess, Dave, it was just a test last night. Everything. We pulled the panels, checked all the wires, everything. Everything's perfect. There's not a thing wrong nowhere. I said, okay, let's go flying. We'll do it quick. So we took off, flew about 30 minutes, flew around, did a landing. Everything worked perfect. So we come back and landed, and I told him, okay. Now we'll go get the rotors and put them on. Went over there. They had the rotors ready. Everything is perfect. Come back, fix the lady's car. It worked perfect. Had exactly enough time to run in and get a shower and study on the way here for Bible study tonight. See, no grumbling and complaining. Everything went perfect today. But yesterday I was put to the test over and over and over. I know none of y'all ever have days like that, do you? Yeah. But see, he don't like grumbling and complaining. You know, so... Anyway, he said, these people are grumblers and complainers, and they do whatever evil they feel like. They are loudmouthed braggarts, and they flatter others to get favors in return. Now, this is out of the NLT, this translation I'm reading, but it says the same thing. So, now then he's talking about those people. Then he says, now then... In this next verse, but you, now he's talking about us, but you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ told you, that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to enjoy themselves in every evil way imaginable. Every evil way imaginable. That's just like I, that young man I was talking to there today. As I was talking to him, he was talking about some of the diseases that we have today. I said, I can stop any disease in one generation. One. He said, how about AIDS? I said, I can cure it. It won't cost a dime. He said, what do you mean? I said, everybody, the only one thing they have to do it's repent of their sins, make Jesus Lord of their life, and serve the King and believe Him and walk holy before Him. And I said, AIDS would disappear in one generation. You don't have to go out and spend millions or billions or trillions with the government trying to find a cure for it. Just obey the King and it goes away. You know that? That's how simple it is. But you're not ever going to convince the world of that. It just ain't going to happen. So they're out there, you know, they're to please themselves in every evil way imaginable, you know. Now they are here. Now these people. Now they're here. And they are the ones who are creating divisions among you. Now, where are these people coming to? You're going to find them in the church. They're going to be here. They're going to tell you things. They're going to draw you off. They're going to do all kinds of things to you. They're going to create divisions among you. They live by natural human instincts because they do not have God's Spirit living in them. Now, if you're not born again, Spirit-filled, reading the Word of God, you are led by the flesh. You can even be a Christian and be led by the flesh. You know that? We've all done it, haven't we? And there's probably times when we still do it. You know, it really takes something to be led by the Spirit all the time. 
I mean, under certain conditions, almost anybody can fall back into the flesh. Under certain trials and tests, you can do it. It's real easy to fall back under the flesh. But he says, these people, they live, these people have come in among us. And you have to be careful that people have come into church. You have to be very careful who comes into church, who sits by you, uh, who you talk to after church, who asks you to their home to go places with you and do things because there is people that is sent by the enemy and his intent is to destroy you, the brothers and sisters in Christ. And they'll do it so slyly, you know, that you just can't believe, you know, that they do this to you. But they will. Scriptures tell us this. Because these people, they live by natural instinct. In other words, if it feels good, do it. You know, today while I was sitting there waiting on that computer, uh, I watched uh, a few minutes of CNN. And I looked up there and it was talking about how the new people are going to be involved in the new Harry Potter films. That was going across the bottom of the screen. I thought, you know, how many Christian men and women have I talked to that says, Harry Potter's okay. My kids love it. Hey, if you have a child and you're a Christian and you're letting them read Harry Potter books, or if you're letting them listen to these books be taught in schools, which are teaching out of them in school, there's something wrong with you. You have definitely, you are you're dead spiritually. I mean, I'm going to just tell you, if you let your children be taught these things, and of course, just like Cheryl and I was talking the other night, the governor has now made a rule in the state of Texas. I think it's 11 to 13-year-olds, 11 to 12-year-old girls all have to have a special vaccination to stop genital warts. Now, if I had if I had a 11 to 13 year old, they would not give her that drug. I don't care what anybody tells me; they don't know the side effects of that drug. It might make her sterile, and she couldn't raise a baby one day. But I'm going to teach my babies abstinence. I'm going to teach them to keep themselves from evil, and they don't need no special shot from no doctor to stop it. All they got to do is walk holy before God and they ain't going to have it. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a battle between me and the school if they want to try to give it to one of my babies. I ain't going to stand for it. So, you know, you know, if you're an adult and you've got children or grandchildren, you need to stand against this stuff. You need to teach your children abstinence. If they're not involved in sexual immorality, they don't have to be concerned about genital warts. They ain't going to have them. You know? For, yeah, they said, I don't remember, something about cervical cancer. But you, you ain't going to have to worry about it if you're obedient to obey God. You know, it's not going to happen to you. The girls that have this are girls that are, that are having sex with boys out of wedlock. You know, you don't have sexual problems if you're not involved in sexual immorality. You know, that's just the way it is. It just don't happen. Now then... Whenever a young man and young woman that are clean and pure, when they get married, then that's God's gift to you. And they can have sex as much and as often as they want it. And there won't never be no 
cervical cancer. Won't be no genital warts or nothing else as long as the two of you remain faithful to your mate. That's a gift from God. But it's only to be done between a man and woman that's legally married. No other way. You know, today too many people go outside of the home and when they do, that's when all these diseases... I've had many a young man come to me since I've been in the healing ministry. Come to me and say, I've got a venereal disease. Will you pray for me? And I said, do you know it was wrong to have sex out of wedlock? Yes, I knew it was wrong. What did God say in His Word that if you sin willfully after you have the knowledge of the truth? What did He say? There's no sacrifice for that sin left, but only a fiery judgment of God to come upon you. That's scary, isn't it? Woo! I mean, so, but what if you don't know that? Well, maybe He'll be merciful to you. But I don't want to put Him to the test, do you? No, I don't want to put Him to the test. But these people that come in among us, <clears throat> they live by natural instinct because they do not have God's Spirit living in them. Now, some of us that are children of God, we're not led very well by the Spirit because if you're in the Word... And if you're in the Word at all, I'm going to tell you that God is going to prompt you. If somebody sits down beside you or somebody starts leading you astray, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you that this is wrong. You know that, don't you, brother? Yeah. He'll tell you that this is wrong. Don't get involved with this person. Don't, don't do what they're telling you to do. It's sin. I mean, I think about the other day when Ty went over and he was telling me about some guy in a church and this guy was praying for people, a pastor and everything else. And he said he walked in, he looked back there at the guy and the Lord spoke to him and told him, that guy right there, don't you let him pray for you, he's a predator. That's exactly what you told me, right Ty? God, the Holy Spirit spoke to Ty and told him, that guy back there is praying for that pastor, don't you let him pray for you, that man's a predator. He's not one of my children. Isn't that amazing? And he appeared to be one of the most godly men there. But see, that's the way they work. They come in among us to deceive us. They get in amongst those that they can touch, that they can pray over. You don't want them praying for you. Be careful. Who prays for you? Make sure you know where they're walking. Then he says here, But you, dear friends, must continue to build your lives on the foundation of your holy faith. That's where you and I got to live. We continue to build our lives on the holy foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read about the King. We worship Him. We praise Him. We have quiet time with Him. We talk to Him on a regular basis. Read His Word every day. And when we do that, He will teach you. He will talk to you by the Holy Spirit. And you won't have to worry about doing things wrong. If you'll learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, He will keep you out of trouble. He will talk to you. He'll tell you when He's fixing to do something. He'll tell you about the test you're fixing to go through. He'll warn you. You'll just know. He'll do great and wonderful things for you. Then He says, and continue to pray as you are directed by the Holy Spirit. Now see, there again, the Holy Spirit is directing you to pray. Now then, 
What if, <laughs> what if you're just driving down the road and all of a sudden you just have an urge in your heart to pray for Susie or John or Bob or whatever? That's it. Pray. Just like today. One of, the, in fact, not not today. Yesterday, yesterday, it always amazes people when a young man. He was a captain that flew for American. He still had nine years, so it means he's 51 years old. I didn't know when he came out there and looked at me washing my airplane. I said, he started talking to me, and I said, what do you fly? I said, that little cub over there. Okay, I thought that's what, you know, a lot of times, guys, that's their little toy. And so as I talked to him, and we, we talked a little while, I, I, thought, I said, do you fly anything bigger than this, uh, bigger than a cub? He said, yeah. He said, I'm a captain for American. I fly 727. I said, oh, okay. Uh, as I began to talk to him about the Bible, asking him as a Christian. He said, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Catholic. I said, you have any children? He said, i got four sons. I said, great. I said, how's your children walking with God? He said, well, two of them's walking with the Lord and two of them's not. I said, so Daddy needs to get some more training and do some more work with his sons. And so as we talked a little while, I told him, I said, you know, do you read the Bible? He said, well, we read it a little, but we don't read it much. I said, do you know the Bible is an owner's manual for life written by the Creator to the created being? He said, well, I never heard it put like that. I said, that's what it is. I said, now that you've just told me you're a pilot and you fly a 727 for American, I said, I'm going to give you an example I said, now, I used to be one of those guys, one of you guys. I flew DC-8s all over the world for a few years myself. I said, so let's say you go out there tomorrow and you're going to go somewhere and you figure your flight plan is going to take 80,000 pounds of fuel to meet the requirements for your flight. I said, the guy that's refueling comes in and said, I'm sorry, sir, we just ran out of fuel and we only had 60,000, but we put 60,000 on your airplane. That's all you got. So I said, you know, you look at the book, and the book says you've got to have 80. But you said, no big deal. Probably the book's wrong. We're going to go ahead, and we're going to see if we can get there anyway. He said, oh, no, we ain't. We're going to fly somewhere else and get some more fuel, and then we're going to go on. I said, oh, now you fly an airplane by a book by somebody you don't even know that wrote it. But you trust your life with that book, don't you? He said, every day of my life. I said, but yet here's a book that tells you all about life, and you've got four sons. And you don't even know enough about it to even teach it to them. I said, I suggest you go home and read it. And then I said, before you go home, before you think I'm crazy, let me tell you about a few things God says in His Word. So I began to talk to him about the Word. And he said, man, I didn't know those statements were in there. I said, let me tell you another statement. Let me show you what you can do. And I told him a few little miracles about a few people that were readily available that I could go talk to if I wanted to. He said, you mean you've seen these kind of answers to prayer? I said, if you're having trouble believing these little minor ones, it wouldn't do any good for me to tell you about some of the major ones. <laughs> he said, would you tell me just one major one? I said, okay. So I told him about Dr. Gary Young. He stood back and what? I said, that's what I told you. <laughs> But I said, that's what God will do for you. You know, I said, what I'm telling you is not a lie. I can back up everything I say. He said, you know what I'm going to do when I leave here? He said, I'm going to go home and start reading that book. Hey, that's exactly what God wanted him to do, wasn't it? 
There was no coincidence that that exact minute I was out there watching that airplane and this guy flew up. It was divine appointment. Everything we do is by divine appointment. When you're a daughter or a son of the king of the universe, your goal today should be to tell somebody about your Savior. Don't you let it go by you today. You make sure you talk to several, at least one, but if possible, several people today about your king. And don't hesitate to give him all the glory and praise because he can do great things. But he says that we're led by the Spirit now and continue to pray as you are directed by the Holy Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit directs you to talk to people about him, you talk to them. You know, don't just slough it off. Then he says, live in such a way that God's love can bless you as you wait for the eternal life that our Lord Jesus Christ in His mercy, is going to give you. Boy, He's going to give us mercy to give us eternal life, isn't He? We certainly don't deserve it. But we're grateful the King paid the price so we can have it. And I think about how great and awesome that is going to be. But technically speaking, we're, we have eternal life right now as believers. We've already started on the journey. We have eternal life. It is ours, but He'll give it to us in His fullness when He comes again. Just think, you get to reign and rule with the King forever. Can you imagine that? In a glorified body that ain't never going to be sick or weak, can't be made sick or weak, that you won't be able to sin in under no conditions. You'll be perfect as He is perfect. Sinless as He is sinless. You'll be just like the king. Wow. Is that going to be awesome or is that going to be awesome? Literally going to reign and rule through the cosmos forever with the king. I, I, I just, I have to receive that by faith. I can't comprehend that. No way in its fullness. But I like to think about it. In fact, I think about one night I was teaching over a group, Christ for the Nations, and I made a statement bunch of young people there, you know, a whole lot younger than me. Some of them are 20s and 30s and whatever. But I said, you know, one day when the king comes again and we're reigning and ruling with him in the cosmos, I said, I can see after the thousand-year millennial reign, he's teaching us. And then after that, we go into eternity. And who knows, you know, that he's already made all the galaxies new and all the planets new and they're inhabited now and there's people out there in maybe a trillion years from now. And he walks up to one of us and he says, Son, come with me, Keith. I want you to go right out here. He said, The cosmos is getting a little crowded right now. So it's time to present another galaxy right off out there in the north. Speak me just a small one, about 400 light, million light years across with about 300 planets and their stars and their suns. You speak that for me. I said, isn't that going to be something for the king to take us up and say, it's your turn. I'm teaching you how to do this now. And there's a girl. She jumps up. She ran to the front and said, would you pray for me right now? I said, what do you want me to pray for you for? She said, I want to be able to comprehend things like that. I want to be able to even think like that. She said, I can't even think like that. But she said, I want to be able to just think like that. Well, that's laid hands on her and ask God to give her that kind of revelation and wisdom. You know, that was beyond her wildest dreams. 
to think like that. But who knows? The king may be saying, oh, Thurman, you were way down there on the low side of what I'm going to do with you all someday. See, we don't know what he's going to do, do we? We just know that we're going to be like him. We're going to be able to do the same things he did, and we're going to be reigning and ruling with him forever. There ain't nobody blessed as much as this church, the church, his body. That's what he's doing in this little era of time. He's building a body to reign in his body. And that's us. We're living stones in that body. And we're going to reign and rule with the king forever. That's, that's just... Ah, that just blows my socks off to think about that. I just... Wow! If you think it's something to be able to do the things we do today or climb the big mountains people climb or fly in the airplanes people flying and all the stuff... That ain't nothing. Nothing. I think I watched some guys the other night having to turn a, a TV on or somewhere where a TV was on, and they was jumping out of an airplane. And these guys were had parachutes on, but they were flying around down there, and they must have jumped at eight or ten thousand feet because they were flying, you know. And they could they can maneuver, and they came into a big circle, and they all grabbed hands. And they come on down and come on down and come on down and come on down. And then one of the men broke off with one guy. Everybody began to open their parachutes and they were the parasails kind, you know, the kind they glide around. One of the guys said, okay, you're the last one. Open your chute. He said, no, I'm not going to open mine until you open yours. He said, I've got a lot more experience than you do. You open that chute. And he wouldn't do it. So he reached over and pulled his. And when he did... That guy's open, and then he restored and pulled his, and it opened. He swung one time and hit the ground. I thought if he had been one second off, he'd have killed himself. One second, he would have been in eternity. That's all he missed it. He fell from eight or ten thousand feet, no harm. Opened that chute, it opened and blossomed, and he swung one time and hit the ground. Went running. I thought, wow. That's too close for me. That's too close. I don't want to get that close, do you? But anyway, it's kind of exciting, you know, watching them do it on television. But if they'd have got killed. <clears throat> now then, he says, here's what we're supposed to do. He says, show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Be merciful to people. That faith. Do you know anybody that their faith is wavering? Do we ever have anybody call the ministry center that their faith is wavering? <laughs> Every day. Every day we all talk to them. Their faith is wavering. They, they need answers. They, in fact, there was a lady called today and she wanted me to call her back. I tried. I couldn't reach her. But Kathy, when I walked in, Kathy and Sharon was standing there, and she just got through telling uh, Sharon about a miracle. The reason this woman wants me to pray for her. Now, see, when you pray for somebody and they have a miracle, they don't think anybody else in the world can pray for them after that. You know, I mean, it's a shame, isn't it? That's, but it's God. It's, it's not me that does it. It's God. But this woman, I was down in Louisiana teaching the Word one week, and this lady came to me and said, Thurman, I think it was her sister or a good friend. 
I don't, do you remember, Sharon, which way it was? Anyway, I think it was just a real good friend or a close relative. might have been her sister. But she had fell off of a horse. A horse had reared up and fell over on her and broke her back. She was in very critical condition. In the hospital, she was from Louisiana, but she'd been out there visiting. And this horse, when she got up on him, he was new to her and she was new to him. And he reared up and he, he she fell off the back. And the horse fell off on her because she didn't know how to get loose from him. And, of course, as she continued to pull, he kept coming back. And so the horse came all the way over and a big 1,500, 1,800-pound horse fell on top of her. That's not exactly what you want to do for your day today, is it? Not exactly. Well, it broke her back. Well, she was in the hospital in very critical condition and thought she might not even live. So this lady, when I was down there teaching, she said, Thurman, would you please call? Here's the number. The lady's in the hospital in California. Would you please call her and pray for her? I said, well, ma'am, I'd love to, but my cell phone don't work down here. I had one that didn't work where I was down there. And she said, well, mine works. Will you take mine and go call her? I said, of course I will. So I took this lady's cell phone. I went to a room. I called the woman, and I got her on the first call. I spent about 45 minutes or an hour explaining to her what she was going to have to do, repent of every sin, believe God by faith, and if she would, the king would heal her. And so I finally broke through in about 45 minutes to an hour. And I said, now then, I'm going to pray the prayer of faith for you. And I did. I said, now then, do you believe that? She said, yes, I do. I said, well, then thank the king you're healed. And I said, get out of that bed and walk. And she thanked the king. And she crawled over to the edge of the bed and got up and was instantly healed. So this woman, since she had a problem, you know, since she had a problem... She called the minister center and she had to talk to Thurman Scribner. There ain't nobody there could pray a prayer of faith. Nobody. I've got to talk to him. He prayed for my relatives. Hey, there's lots of people can pray the prayer of faith. But see, she hadn't run into them in her life. So when somebody runs into somebody, that's just like Ty and Cheryl. I mean, we go someplace and Ty and Cheryl prays for all kinds of people and all kinds of things happen. Well, his phone rings off the hook after that. Every time somebody's got a problem, they say, you prayed for me with here. We prayed for me when I was there. This happened, that happened. I got this friend or we got this. Would you pray for us? So he's on the phone with them. You know, all day long. Sometimes he's talking to people on the phone. Why do they call him? Because he's a man of faith. When he prays, God hears. It's like Sharon now. She's prayed for so many people. They all know what time she gets there. The phone rings off the hook after she gets there about 1 o'clock. I need Sharon to pray for me. She prayed for me and this happened or that happened or whatever. You know, so after they get a few miracles, then, hey, praise the King. But see, when we get into that faith walk, when you get into a faith walk, you can pray for somebody. You know, but just like Sharon said today, when she and I was talking, I told her, I said, you know, the reason God has so honored your faith walk is because of your dedication in the last three years. I mean, three years ago, she was a basket case. She couldn't get around herself. Couldn't get herself healed. Sick and afflicted and brain tumors and arms and legs and allergies and back troubles and everything else. I mean, here this precious little daughter of the king was a basket case. But there's been a lot of you daughters of the king that were basket cases. And when you learn and you come to the king by faith, just like Jan, you know, when Jan, she had... Can you imagine Jan saying, Lord, I've been to the doctor this week... And the lesser of the three things of the test is lupus. So, Lord, please let me have lupus. 
Now see, out of poor little Jan's stupidity, see, but she come to a healing school and heard me teach what was rightfully hers. And then when she came up and asked me to pray for her arms and got healed, both of her arms instantly. I'll never forget that little prayer that day. I come up and, and I, she said, I said, have you repented of all your sins? She said, yes. I've never heard these kind of things, but yes, I had some sins. She repented of the sins she committed right before the arms went dead 15 years ago. And I reached over and touched her and said, and I command this spirit to leave and be healed in the name of Jesus. I said, it's done. Thank you, Lord. And I'll never forget, she looked at me and she said, is that all? Am I going to fall down? I said, well, not unless you want to. I said, I'm not going to push you down. She said, it's that simple? I said, I do the natural and God does the supernatural. All I do is just pray. And then he does. I said, I can't do nothing without him. But he does the supernatural. So I said, all you've got to do now is begin to thank him and praise him. So she turned around kind of thinking, well, okay, I won't have him pray for my lupus and all this other stuff. No big deal. I didn't see nothing happen there. She walks back to the chair and picks up her purse. And for the first time in 15 years, she could feel it. She reached down with the other hand. She could feel it. Well, by the time the bill was over, she saw how easy it was to get healed. So... She came back and she said, I don't have to have this lupus either. I don't have to have nothing. I'm going to be healed by the power of God. I'm going to repent of every sin, every doubt, unbelief, and everything else. And, of course, two or three months later, she came back to a healing school and gave her testimony and come right up here and talked all about it, how she'd been healed that day and now how she's been back to the doctor. There's nothing wrong. She's totally, completely well from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. Do we serve an awesome God? I mean, we just don't know what He's... He says, so we need to show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Well, a lot of people's faith is wavering. In fact, a lot of people in the church don't even know they're like I was for a lot of years. That right, Deborah? We didn't know what it was, did we, girl? But we're learning now, praise the Lord. Now it says, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Now, you mean you think you might have some brothers and sisters in the church that is set for judgment? They might be living in some kind of sin, doing something that God's going to judge them? And many of those happens, and that's why we have so much sickness and disease in the church. There's so many people sick with serious diseases, and it's judgment. You know, they don't know, they don't know how to walk by faith, they don't repent, and so... The, the judgment of God comes upon them. People don't think God will judge us, but He says He will. He says He will. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. In other words, if you see a brother doing something, you see a guy lying, stealing, cheating, committing adultery on his wife or something, if you're a son or a daughter of God, you know, if, you, if you're a daughter of God and you see a, a, another woman, that you know that's meeting some other guy somewhere and doing something she's not supposed to do, you need to go tell that woman. That's your job. Now, if you see some guy doing these kind of things and you're a woman, that is not your job. If you've got a husband, you go tell him. But the men need to talk to the men and the women need to talk to the women. Especially when it comes to sexual sins, a woman never needs to talk to a man about sexual sin. That is not your place. Absolutely not. You go get a man, your husband. You tell him what's going on and show him the fact, and you let him go talk to that man. But that's not something that a woman needs to be doing with a man. Or, if you're a man 
and you see a woman doing this, you get your wife or some have here, go talk to her. You know, you don't go over it. In fact, when Cheryl and I, if we minister to people like that, if we're going to be talking about sexual sins, I always want my sweetheart in there with me when I'm talking to a woman about sexual sins. I ain't going to be in there by myself with some woman. Especially I ain't going to be in the ministry center in a room with a woman with the door closed. I don't care what she's got to say. You know, I just ain't going there. I'm not going to give the devil any way to talk about me. Somebody walks up and, and somebody says, where's Thurman? Well, he's been in there in the ministry room for the last four hours ministering to someone. Somebody comes up and they open the door and me and some woman in there. Ooh, that might not go across real well, you know it? I mean, and of course, I can guarantee all we was doing is talking about the Lord. You know, I was trying to get her healed. But I ain't going to give that devil. If you look up there and she's over there, you can look around the corner and I guarantee you, Cheryl's going to be in there somewhere. Or at least some other woman. You know, if we had a situation that'd have to be more than just me in there, I'm not going to do that. Then it says, there are still others to whom you need to show mercy. I mean, there's a lot of them in the church we need to show mercy to. But be careful. Listen to what he's saying now. Those that you're merciful to, that you try to talk to, that you try to witness to, but be careful that you aren't contaminated by their sins. See, that's real easy to be contaminated by people's sins. I mean, so you go out and talk to your brother or whatever, or say you've got a guy uh, that uh, you're a man and you've got a guy and and you know he's been doing some things wrong, so you invite him over to your uh, house one afternoon. You want to go talk to him, and uh, you say, you know, we really need to go out and talk tonight. I need to talk to you about some things. He said, well, sure, let's go out. i got some favorite places I like to eat. So we go out, and he, he's driving, and we wheels in, and we come down here on Harry Hines at one of the topless clubs. And he said, now, wait a minute. I don't go in those kind of places. But Thurman, this is my favorite place. You know, I like to go. That's what I want to talk to you about. You know, let's go somewhere else to a decent place. Oh, come on. It ain't going to hurt you. Now, you let him talk you into going in there in that topless club. And then somebody comes along and says, What is Thurman doing in a place like this? I'll tell you one night, one day in the broad daylight, I was driving down Harry Hines. It's been many years ago. I was driving down Harry Hines, and there was two very nice dressed ladies in high heels in a car, right standing right in front of a car. I thought they was having car trouble. So you know, I mean, I'm I'm trying. To, I, I don't know Harry Hines. I don't know what goes on. I live in a naive world, folks. So I pulled right up in front. And I got out and I said, are you ladies having trouble? And they began to proposition me. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I thought y'all were having car trouble. I said, do you young ladies, now they looked like they were about 30. I said, do you young ladies know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? They said, oh, you're one of them kind. I said, yes, ma'am, I'm one of those kind. They said, well, go away. Okay, so I... Went back and got my car and I prayed for those girls. And then as I'm driving down the road, I don't know whether it's God or the devil, he said, you know, you better hope nobody saw you. 
So I got worried about that, and I thought, oh, Lord, I wonder. You never know who might drive by, even in Dallas, you know. So next Sunday at my Sunday school class, I'll never forget this young man. His name's Cooper McGregor. He was an engineer, design engineer for TI, and he designed the guidance systems on the missiles. He was a very brilliant man. He was in my Bible study class. I told the Bible study all men, I was teaching a men's group at that time, I told them what I did. You know, I said, yeah, I was never, you know, so startled that these ladies were prostitutes. I, I had no idea. I said, then after I got in the car and drove off, I said, oh, Lord, I hope nobody saw me. And Cooper looked over me and with all the seriousness I could possibly in the man, he said, Thurman, if I'd have drove by and I'd have saw you there, I said, you know, there's two prostitutes that Thurman's trying to lead to Jesus. I said, bless you, Cooper. He said, Thurman, you're known by your works. And said, we know you too well. If we'd have saw you, we would have known you. It said, you, we know you would never be up to nothing wrong. If you saw those women, you'd be trying to lead them to Jesus. Well, that's exactly what I tried to do. You know, now, isn't it good to be known like that? People said they trust their Sunday school teacher. They know I'm not going to be somewhere. They can trust me. Well, that's the way we should be as Christians. You know, we should not be, well, so we come by and say, hey, Keith, let's go out to eat tonight. You say, oh, good, i got a perfect bar right down here with my naked girls running around. Let's go down there. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's not the way we're to be known as Christians, is it, Keith? No, sir, that's right. Not at all. Now then... If you told me something like that, and then I drove by and saw you down there with them girls, I'd know what you were doing. <laughs> because we're known by our works, aren't we? We're known by our works, so wow. But, you know, there is people. You have to be very careful. But there are others to whom you need to show mercy. But he says, when you show them mercy, be very careful that you aren't contaminated by their sins. Because you know how easy it is to be contaminated with people's sins? I mean, just like at work, you know, maybe somebody's just stealing a little bit. In fact, out at Cheryl's rest, uh, daughter's restaurant, a lot of young people work there. And here in the last year, somebody figured out how to cheat the computer so they could put the money in their pocket. Yeah, the, somehow on the cash tickets, they, they figured out a way to do it. And so when they figured out, instead of keeping it a secret for themselves... They started sharing it with other employees. And guess what the other employees did? I mean, it was anywhere from a few hundred dollars to several thousand dollars, and I think it was eight or ten people over the course of a year stole $10,000 from her restaurant. $10,000. It finally showed up one day. I mean, although they were doing this, when you go back and check the records, there's another set of codes hidden down in there that nobody knows. That when they checked them, the records didn't match. Christy was $10,000 short. And so she started checking to see. And then they found out where these people were taking the cash bill and deleting them somehow on the surface where you couldn't see them. But that inner deal you couldn't get rid of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's what finally happened. Yeah. And finally, an honest employee comes here and told her, said, Christy, there's a person here said there's a way to cheat your computer. And so when she went back in and checked, they found out it was possible. 
And they went back and checked those records. And this one, they found out how many dollars each person had stole. They had it was a record. And so she just told them, you either come in and give me that money or I'm going to file charges on you. And so they did. I think every one of them, all of the three, all of the three came in and paid her everything they owed her. But just think, see, you have to be careful with people. They will contaminate you with their sins. See, now these people were dishonest to start with. But do you think any of those people probably professed to be a Christian? I bet some of them did. I bet some of those boys and girls, young men and women, professed to be Christians, but they had been contaminated by somebody, and now they're stealing, and the devil's getting legal right to them. And did they get caught? Yes, they did. Now, then, if they hadn't have done that, Christy could have filed on them, and they could have went to jail for that. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? You have to be very careful. You have to be grounded in the Word, and you have to know what's right and wrong. And then when somebody says, oh, just come over here. You know, let me show you how you can make an extra 20 bucks tonight. No problem. Hey, nobody will ever know. Nobody. And guess what? Ten of them were suckered right into it over the course of the year. Different ones. What the Lord tell us there? As Christians, be very careful when you show mercy to people because you might be contaminated by their sins. Is that the last thing we want? Is to be contaminated by somebody else's sin? Yeah, we got enough of them the way it is, don't we? We don't need nobody else's. We need to learn to walk holy. Then he says, And now... All glory to God, who is able to keep you from stumbling. Now, see, that's when you're led by the Holy Spirit. When you're led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will show you, He will tell you, He will keep you from falling, from stumbling, and He will bring you into His glorious presence, innocent of sin, with great joy. Now, you've got to learn to walk with the Lord and listen to His Spirit to, to receive this. This is not going to be something easy. You're going to have to listen and let Him talk to you. And when thoughts come to your mind, you're going to have to realize that's God talking to you if, what, if the thoughts line up with the Word. Now, if the thought says, oh, sure, go ahead. You know, that extra 20 or 50 bucks you can make tonight on them cash tickets, nobody will ever know. Just put it in your back pocket and hit delete, and nobody will ever know. You put that money in your pocket after they pay you. Big deal, you know. You know, for people that are working, especially people working in restaurants, as most of y'all know, the little waitresses and waiters and so forth, they don't make a whole lot of money anyway. You know, they just don't make a lot of money. I remember Tim, when I tried to get Tim to go to college. No, Dad, I don't want to go to college. I'm through with school. That's kind of what I said when I got out of high school. My dad wanted me to go to college. I said, no, Dad, I've had school all I want. I ain't going back to school never again. Little did I know. But I tried my son the same way. No, Dad, I don't want to go to school. I'm just going to work a while. So he went out to a little uh, Mexican restaurant there in Louisville and got him a waiter's job. Well, he didn't hardly make enough money to buy his gas. So he worked there for a little while. Come to me and said, Dad, I need, I need, a little, need to borrow a little money from you. I can't seem to make it. I said, son, you're working every day. You can't even make it. I said, you're living at home, not paying no rent, no nothing. I said, and you can't even make enough money to, for a little spending money. I said, have you ever thought about going back to school? 
<laughs> I said, son, if you don't put something into life, you ain't going to get nothing out. Nothing put in, nothing out. So he finally decided to go back to school. And thank goodness that he did. And the business education, everything he's worked in, now then he's running three gyms and he's doing quite well. I will have to say, praise the Lord. You know, but it didn't come without a lot of effort. And still, I think about he gets up at 4 o'clock almost every morning. He and I usually cross paths. As I'm getting ready to go to bed, he's getting up to go to work. Isn't that something? He'll be out there at that gym training people by 5 o'clock or before 5 o'clock. And the other morning I was out there at the house at about 10, I guess it was. And he was there. And I said, oh, I thought I'd come over and tell you about the water. How the water results came out. I said, you're home. I said, he said, yeah, Dad, I wanted to come by the house. I'm between gyms. I said, I got up at 4 this morning, went to the other one, trained some people, come by here to see the kids a minute. He said, I'm fixing to go to the one at Denton now. So he said, I'll be up there all the rest of the evening until about 7 or 8 o'clock tonight. Now, see, somebody said, I ain't going to put in that many hours a day. I ain't going to get up 4 o'clock in the morning and work till 8 o'clock at night. Okay. You know, you cannot be blessed if you want to. You know, but being blessed does not come easy. People that sit around and do nothing, very few of them ever make very much money. You've got to be a dedicated person to get out there and work. The Lord tells us in His Word. That person that don't work, don't eat. <laughs> yeah. So, then He says, All glory to God who is able to keep us from stumbling and who will bring you into the glorious presence, innocent of sin, and with great joy. All glory to Him who alone is God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yes, glory, majesty, power, and authority belong to Him in the beginning, now, and forevermore. Now, who is God? Jesus Christ. How many other gods is there? Zero. He is the only God. There is no way to heaven. I sat on the airplane from Louisiana here a while back with a couple. She was sitting in the center. I was sitting on the aisle, and he was sitting by the window. And I asked him, we got airborne. They served us a Coke or something and a drink. And uh, I said, by the way, are you two Christians? She said, yes, I'm a Christian. I said, well, great. Where do you go to church? She said, we don't go to church. I said, why not? She said, you don't have to go to church. I said, well, who is your God? Oh, she said, there's a thousand gods. I said, oh, I said, and you tell me you're a Christian? I said, the book says that Jesus Christ is the only God and there's nobody to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. She said, you sound just like my sister. That's what she tells me, but I don't believe her. She said, there's no way a loving God would have only one way to heaven. I said, ma'am. This loving God only has one way to heaven. I said, if you don't make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, you will, I guarantee you will not get to go to heaven. Because the king himself said, I am God. There is no other. I am the truth. I am the life. And I am the way. And no man, no man, that means woman too, is going to come to the Father in heaven except he come through the blood of his Son. She said, I don't believe that. I'll never believe that. I said, okay. He gives you a free choice. So when you stand in His presence one day, you'll remember that Thurman Scrivener was sent to you today to tell you the truth. And you rejected it. 
one day. I hope she finds the answer. I hope her sister continues to pray for her. Everything. Because there is one God. There's not many ways to heaven. There's only one. There's only one you've got to make happy on this earth. And that's the king. You make him happy, you'll make everybody around you happy, probably. At least to a degree. But at least the only one that matters is Jesus. You know, I'm not trying to please each one of you one by one. I'm trying to please the king. He is the one that answers my prayer and your prayer. Right, Sharon? And if we make him happy by faith, he answers our prayer. If we don't, he doesn't. And so we might as well have stayed at home today if he don't show up. Because if the king don't show up, nothing's going to happen. Now then, let's turn just right on over the page to the book of Revelation. I want to talk just a little bit tonight about some of the things. We heard what Jude had to say in the book of Jude. Now let's go on into Revelation chapter 1. Verse 1, this is a revelation from Jesus Christ which God gave him concerning the events that will happen soon. An angel was sent in God's servant, uh, through God's servant John so that John could share the revelation with God's other servants. John faithfully reported the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, everything he saw. Now, God blesses the one who reads this prophecy. Now, you know, I was told for a lot of years, don't read the book of Revelation because you can't understand it. I mean, has anybody ever been told that? I think probably everybody has been. Don't read that book. I mean, you can read all the rest of them, but don't read that one because you can't understand it. But look what it says. This letter, God blesses the one who reads the prophecy to his church. So, if you read this, you're going to be blessed. In fact, this is the only book that I've read that I found this promise in this book. That if you read this particular book of the book of Revelation, you'll be blessed. So, hey, maybe you don't understand it, but at least read it. You know, because God promises to bless you, right? So if God promises to bless you, start reading it. And if you'll read it over and over and over, I will guarantee you, as the Holy Spirit teaches you, you will get to where you will understand the book of Revelation. You will understand it. That may take you a while, but you will get to where you understand it. He will reveal it to you. God blesses the one who reads this prophecy to the church, and He blesses all who listen to it and obey what it says. Now, that sounds just like our Lord, doesn't it? If you obey me, I'll bless you. He started that, sounds like, in the book of Genesis, didn't He? And He said that over and over and over, didn't He? Over and over and over, the king said, if you obey, I will bless you. If you obey me and everything, I will bless you and your children. If you obey me and everything, I'll bless you and your children to 1,000 generations. What a, what a promise. But if you disobey me, I will curse you. If you disobey me, I will curse you. If you disobey me, I will curse you and your children to the fourth generation unless you bring a child into the world in an adulterous affair then I will curse you and the, your family 
ten generations into the future. Written in God's Word. Cheryl's got that down path. Deuteronomy 23.2. So many people have asked us where that is. Boy, she just... <laughs> she put that in her memory circuit. She looked it up, Deuteronomy 23.2. <clears throat> As you know, we were reading the other night. I think it was Dave and I were reading. I think. It might have been me and somebody else, but I think it was Dave and I. We were reading also about where whenever they didn't welcome the Israeli people into their country, they didn't meet them with, in a hospitable way, God says, I'm going to curse you for ten generations because you were not hospitable to my people. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Wow. <clears throat> hey, was that you and me reading that together? What was that? Okay. Right after the other one, huh? Wow. Anyway, it's kind of amazing, you know, that if you read these things, you think, I guess I better be kind of hospitable to people. You know, God likes for us to be hospitable to people, doesn't He? You know, be nice to them. Then He says, this letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace from the one who is who always was and who is still to come from the sevenfold spirits before His throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the commander of all the rulers of the world. Who is He? He's King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. And what is it that lacks being under Him? Nothing except one thing. The Father. He is above everything else. He has been given power and dominion because of what He done here 2,000 years ago. The King now is commander-in-chief of everything in every world, visible and invisible. Satan is totally defeated. Satan has to obey Him completely. Satan can't take a breath without his okay. Jesus Christ is in control. So who do you need to make happy? Jesus Christ. You make Jesus happy, you're in good shape. You have nothing to fear if you make the King happy. Then it says, all praise. Now this is something that we all need to do. I mean, I thought about Ty the other day whenever uh, our sister back here was healed of that cancer. I mean, that night he lost it. Him being a doctor, he know what it is to get rid of cancer. He's running up and down, jumping up and down on the stage, telling you people, stand up and praise the king. <laughs> he was excited. But see, that's what the king tells us to do, isn't it, Ty? Praise him. And when we see him do something like that, we get a sister healed of cancer. And of course, you know, I think about how he said that and then before the night was over. If you didn't stay that night and you didn't see her preach to us up and down these hallways, oh my goodness. Susan, was that good or was that good? I know, but she's sat right back there. I know she's here. It was good that night. Man, she was on fire, jumping up and down, praising the king. I mean, but you know, if you get healed of cancer, praise God. That's something to jump up and down and praise him about, isn't it, sister? I mean, praise the Lord. 
She was some kind of happy running up down praising the king. I mean, I got tickled at her being. She's preaching to us. I mean, she's woo! Uh, she's moving. She's got putting action to that preaching. We had a great night out here. We stay. I don't know how late we stayed that night. We stayed alone. <laughs> Ain't nobody go home with that, could <laughs> We had a great time. She was. I, I told her, I said, man, hold it. I need to go to camera. We didn't rent this whole tape. <laughs> she was so good. Praise the king. All praise to him. That's what we're supposed to do. All praise to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. Man, that is something to praise him for. He has made us his kingdom and his priest. Now see, he's made us a nation of kings and priests. Isn't that awesome? We don't think about ourselves as a nation of kings and priests. We think about ourselves as human beings. We need to start seeing ourselves like God sees us. We're kings and priests. You girls are princesses or queens. Some of you young girls might say, well, I'm a little princess. But some of you older ladies might say, well, I'm the queen. You know, the queen has more authority and power anyway than a princess. You know, he rules forever and ever. Amen. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him. Oh, when he comes in the clouds, he's not going to appear up in New York or in Dallas and say, Hey, folks, I'm Jesus. If he does, you need to laugh at him, right? So we got this guy, I forget now what his name is, but I'm Jesus. I thought, you know, the people that he is, that he is just blinding their minds and he's teaching them a lie. You know, I, to think of the, the people he's moving upon that they don't have a clue what's going on. They haven't read the Bible. They're just listening to what He says. And, hey, I'm Jesus, folks. No more sin. I paid the price for your sin, so you don't have to worry about sin no more. You can just do anything you want to do. No big deal. This guy's got a million followers already. And he said, he said our ministry is just growing by leaps and bounds every day. Isn't that amazing? It's wonderful. You know, you got God right here on earth. And He tells you, don't have to worry about it. You can just do anything. You can just... And He had two... Always, in every one of these videos I saw, He had two or three, and He didn't have just, you know, these normal little Spanish girls. He had them super, beautiful, fantastic, triple diamond built women. You know, I mean, He don't have just anybody following Him around. Isn't that something? That sounds just like the devil, doesn't it? Sure. But he's leading people astray. But the king says, when he comes back, how many is going to see him? Everybody's going to see him. He's coming in the clouds in glory with his angels. We won't have to be concerned about the king's coming. We'll know it's the king. Even those who pierced Him will see Him. And all the nations of the earth will weep because of Him. Yes. Amen. They'll know they're in trouble. When the King comes back, they'll know He's God. That's just like the other day. I don't know. Have any of you... Uh, I guess we still got those uh, DVDs back there. Three Smooth Stones. Have any of you all seen those? Have you watched it? What do you think about it? It's awesome, isn't it? It is. 
Now see, if you haven't watched the video, the DVD on three smooth stones, one of those men, I mean, you, you said when Jesus comes, you won't know who he is? One of those guys on that had killed, he was a Muslim terrorist. All three of them are Muslim terrorists. But now they're all three Christians. But one of those guys, he said, I had killed over 200 people working for Allah. And then he couldn't get, he got in a car wreck, a truck wreck, and couldn't get healed. And some Christians did some nice things for him. He couldn't believe what these Christians did for him. He thought they were supposed to kill him. He was begging and pleading for Allah to heal him. And he said, I heard a voice. He said, why don't you call on the God of Abraham? He said, I thought the God of Abraham was Allah. He said, okay, the God of Abraham, I've got to have some help. Please help me. And he said, immediately a magnificent being stood right before me. And there was no doubt in my mind, I just knew who it was. And it was Jesus Christ. And he said, I am God. Now, was he the God of Abraham? Yeah. But see, if he'd have told him, call on Jesus Christ, he'd have said, no, I don't believe in you. But when he said, call on the God of Abraham, see, isn't God smart? He's so smart. I mean, nobody, I mean, everybody's a pushover for the king. I mean, everybody. But this guy, he said, when I said, okay, i got to ask him the God of Allah, of the God of Abraham, please help me. And he said, bam, right in front of me stood this glorious being. And he said, and he said, I knew who it was. Nobody had to tell me. I knew that was Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. And said, so he reached over and touched me and said, now be healed. And he said, I was instantly from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet healed. He said, let me tell you, from that day to this, I'm no longer a Muslim terrorist. I'm a Christian. And that video that you'll see called Three Smooth Stones, it's got the testimony of the other two Muslims too. That's been aired all over the Middle East. All over the Middle East on satellite. Every, two-thirds of the world had the ability to watch that video. And of course, you know, you know that God has... You know there's a lot of Muslim people that He wants to be saved that all of a sudden they're compelled to go to the television set and turn it on and there's this Muslim. Ah, oh, there's, there's my brother. I know this guy. And He sits there and tells them what he happened to him and how he got saved. Now they either hear their brother and they decide that maybe what he said is true and they come under conviction and get saved or they say he's, he's, he's the other one, we're going to kill him. And of course that's what a lot of them try to do. They're trying to kill him. So when a Muslim does what these three guys are doing and then allow it to be aired in the Middle East, I'm telling you they've got to be under the protection of God or they ain't going to last long. Somebody will kill them. The Muslims, that's what they come to do is kill you. Don't ever trust one of them. Don't ever turn your back. If you're around a muzzle, trust him like a rattlesnake. Don't turn your back on him. You can't trust him. I'm serious. You know, that's why our government does not understand the thousands of Muslim people that are moving into this country. You can't trust them. I guarantee if those people said they became an American citizen and they're going to join the army to go with me over there, they ain't going to back me up. I ain't having one them back me up because I know what their rule book says. Their rule book says they can only pledge allegiance to their God and to their country and they are to kill Muslims, I mean to kill Christians and Jews. 
And so you don't ever trust one of them. Never. Under no conditions. No. You just don't. Somebody says, that's not very loving and kind. Well, let me tell you, I'm smart. I've lived a while. You know, and you don't get to be old by being dumb. You get to be old by knowing the Word of God and standing on His promises. That's the way you get to be old. You watch it. Then he says here, He comes with the clouds, and everyone will see Him, even those who pierce Him, and all the nations there will weep because of Him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I'm the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. You begin to get the idea that He's God in this picture, right? Has He always been? Says He has. He was before the foundations of the world. He's always been. He's always been God. He always will be God. Now, He did come in the form of a man only 2,000 years ago. But He has always existed. We see Him in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, thousands of years before He came as Christ. Then it says, The vision of the Son of Man. I am John, your brother, and Jesus, we are partners in suffering and in the kingdom and in patient endurance. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the Word of God and speaking about Jesus. I'm going to tell you what today. We have been so blessed in this country. The church today, we, I hate to say this about us, but we really are a bunch of wimps. You know that? You know, you all have to agree with me. We haven't suffered any, and I'm grateful. I don't, Gina and I was talking about this earlier tonight. I don't like suffering in pain. Do you? Susan, you don't like it no more than I do, do you? Not anything I'd rather think about than, I mean, I'd rather think about leaving here tonight and go get something to eat, you know, sit in a restaurant, talk to somebody about Jesus or whatever, or lead somebody to Jesus. Like last, was it last Tuesday night we, we talked to them two boys about Jesus? I mean, Ty had a young man. 38 years old, I believe it was. I mean, he had him virtually on his knees, crying as he led him to Jesus right down in front of a restaurant, a guy on alcohol. I mean, he was just doing it to him. And the other guy I was talking to, he said, no, that guy, that guy, he's doing something. I ain't never seen that guy cry in my life. Never. But that had him crying. He's talking to him about Jesus. Holy Ghost is all over him. We sat out in front of the restaurant for an hour, I guess. The girls went on the inside. <laughs> we out there leading somebody to Jesus. In fact, y'all came out, didn't you? You ought to only come and eat and go. And we're still out there talking to these two guys. But that's what the Lord sends us to do. Talk to people about Jesus. That's, that's the whole thing. Did you know that if that was a true conversion of faith the other night, when Ty led that young man into Jesus, got him to confess Jesus, it said the angels of heaven were rejoicing because that young man came into the kingdom. Yeah. And the scripture also says those that lead souls into the kingdom are wise and they shall shine like the stars in the firmament forever. Isn't that awesome? Woo! I mean, just think, you're a diamond out there in the rough. You know, you're going to be shining because you led people to Christ. Hey, do you think it pleases the king to produce fruit for his kingdom? I know it does. He said, if you don't produce fruit, I'll take you out. He said, so produce fruit. So that's what the king says. Then he says here, he's going to 
He says, I'm going to show you some things. He said, he suddenly I heard a voice. Uh, it was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the Spirit. Suddenly I heard a loud voice behind me, and a voice that sounded like a trumpet blast, and it said, write down what you see and send it to the seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with gold sash around his chest. Doesn't that sound just like the king? His head and his hair were white like wool. Wow. That guy I saw on TV, he didn't meet the criteria. He didn't have the long robe on with the, white, with the gold around him. And his hair wasn't white and shined like this. He looked just like a normal man. He was a liar. He wasn't really Jesus. Isn't that amazing how somebody can deceive people? Then he says, his feet were as bright as bronze, iron, bronze, refined in a furnace. And this guy, I saw the other night, he was wearing normal shoes. <laughs> he don't meet the criteria, folks. His feet were bright as bronze, refined in the fire, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. Hey, you ain't go, there ain't going to be no problem. When the king comes, you're going to know him. You're going to recognize him. Ain't never going to be nobody like him before or after, right? You'll know the king. If somebody walked up to you and said, Hi, I'm Jesus Christ. You say, Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm Thurman Scripture. Hey, praise God. Have a good day. <laughs> when the king comes, you will know who the king is, let me tell you. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. What do you think that was, the sharp two-edged sword? The Word. That's exactly right. He was speaking the Word. That's what was coming out of his mouth. And his face was as bright as the sun in all of its brilliance. In other words, it's going to be hard to look on him if his face is as bright as the sun, isn't it? You know, this guy the other night that says he's Jesus, he don't meet any of these requirements. None of them. So see how easy it is for us to be deceived? A million people are following him and his following is increasing tremendously every day. How could people be so gullible? That's right. They don't read the Word. When I saw him, when I saw him, this is what would happen to us. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. I'm going to tell you, if the king were to walk in that door right now in all of this glory we just read about there wouldn't be one of us could stand in His presence. Not one. We'd be on our face in a heartbeat. <clears throat> but He laid His right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. We probably would be, unfortunately. We'd probably, you know, if you hadn't, if there was any sin left in your life that you hadn't confessed, you'd probably say, Oh God, please let me get this sin. I want to get it out of here. I don't want judgment to fall upon me. Oh, it would be extremely important. Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one who died. Look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Who holds the keys? 
But when He's ready for you to go, you ain't going to have nothing to say about it, are you? Now, you could. You could ask Him. But he could, he could increase your life, couldn't He? Sure. I mean, we look at Scripture where other men have done that. They've been prayed for. We also have seen examples in the Scripture where somebody's life had been required, their soul had been required, and because of sin, and somebody came along and prayed their prayer of faith for them, and they got well. We've seen that a lot of times. God was merciful, forgave them. If I didn't believe He would do those kind of things, we just quit doing what we're doing. You know, we wouldn't do it. Because we spend a lot of time with a lot of people praying with them, expecting the king to hear our prayers and change. That's just like the lady that asked me to call out there in California. Hey, if I didn't think my king was capable of healing a crushed back, I wouldn't have wasted an hour with that woman on the telephone. I'd have been down at the bar drinking or something, you know. Good grief. Maybe I wouldn't have been doing that, but I might have been chewing chewing or eating popcorn or doing something, you know. Been out flying, Cheryl says, or something, yeah. But since I know the king hears our prayers, and since I know he does miracles, I loved it. And of course, that girl loved it too. If you were laying in the hospital in California, you had a crushed, broken back, and a horse had fell on you, and they said you might not even live, and some crazy guy from Dallas that was down in Louisiana called you and spent an hour on the phone with you, building your faith, telling you what God would do, and then prayed the prayer of faith for you and said, okay, now you're healed. I guarantee it. Get out of that bed. Are you going to have the faith to move and get out of that bed? Some do. Some don't. But she did. And she was instantly, totally, completely healed, just like Dr. Gary Young. I'm telling you, Keith, don't we serve an awesome, mighty God? You know, and of course, since that was little, such a little insignificant miracle that happened three or four years ago, I completely forgot it. Oh, you were with me down there when it happened? Okay, I had forgot. Had you thought about it lately? No. Isn't it amazing when two people sees God do an awesome miracle like that, and within six months or so, we just forget it? Isn't that awesome? Can't keep up. Isn't it wonderful to have a God that does those kind of miracles for you? I love serving the King. I love seeing God do that. Lord... Thank you for all these miracles you do all the time, Lord. I praise you and worship you and thank you. Woo! Then he says, here he says, write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen later. This is the meaning of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So we got angels for these churches. Now I realize the word angel means messenger. I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, that's the pastor of those churches. I don't agree with that. I think it's an angel that's assigned to the church. Now I may be wrong. You know, now I have the right for my own interpretation, and you have your right. If you want to believe different than me, that's okay because I may not be right 100% of the time. But since it says there that these were the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands of the seven churches, I believe that he's talking about seven specific churches, and I believe he's talking about an angel that's assigned to that church. Do you know, I believe that this little living Savior ministry has a special angel assigned to our ministry. You know? And then I believe he has angels assigned to each one of you. 
I believe I have angels assigned to me because the Scripture says so. Isn't it comforting to know that God has given His angels charge over you to go with you everywhere you go? It certainly is me. You know, I mean, I love it. You know, whenever I think about, hey, my angels are sent there. In fact, I think about one time. It's amazing how people, even in the ministry, have such great fears. I remember one time hearing one of the ladies, in fact, I'll just tell you her name, it was Jan on TBN. The lady, the, the woman, you know, the wife of, of Paul Crouch. She said, when we were young, we had to fly a lot of places and we went in a small airplane. She said, I was afraid to get in a light airplane. If it wasn't a big jet or something, I just was in fear thinking about getting in that little plane. And she said, back in those days, we had to travel in one quite a bit because TBN was a little bitty organization. And she said, I had prayed. I said, God, Lord, I hate to go in this airplane. I, what if this thing were to crash? So she said, I'm sitting there in fear. And the Lord tapped on my shoulder and said, look out the window. And she said, when I did, my angel was sitting on the wingtip. I saw him. He looked at me and said, hi. She said, after that, I was never afraid to fly in a light airplane again. Because I knew that angel was there. He could have picked it up with his hand. There ain't no way. In fact, let me tell you, until God's through with you on this earth, if you're walking in obedience to His Word, there ain't nothing can take you out. He has, who has the keys to death? He does. And until He's through with you, there ain't nothing can touch you. You know, all you got to do is be about the King's business, loving Him and serving Him. And He's going to bless you. He's going to watch over you. He's going to protect you. And then one day, when He's through with you, you've led your last person to Jesus, or He's finished with you totally and completely, He'll say, okay, now, bam, translating him or her out, and it's over. And there ain't nothing you can do to stop it. Chances are, nothing. You know. So, But until then, if you're walking in obedience, He has the keys of the death and the grave. And He's in total control. So we have nothing to fear. He's the boss. Then he says here, write this letter to the angel of the church at Ephesus. Now, I want you to notice something in these letters. We're not going to get very far in these tonight, but I want you to notice here. It says, this is a message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. Now, this is Jesus we're talking about, the King of Kings. I know all the things you do. Do you think He really does that? You think He knows even your thoughts? Everything else? Absolutely. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. So He's watching. Every individual He watches in everything we do. I know... You don't tolerate evil people. Yeah. He knows that. He knows exactly. And he says, you... You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles. In other words, you spend time checking them out. But they are not apostles. One thing about it, in the Baptist church I was in, you never had to worry about anybody claiming to be an apostle. We believe that gift died with the 
the first bunch. So we didn't have any problem with that. But we were grossly wrong. You know, there is still some apostles, but God calls them. So if people come to you and say, and there's nothing that turns me off faster, if a man or woman walks up to my church and says, hey, I am an apostle. I'm Apostle Thurman. I say, oh, I'm glad to meet you. <laughs> but I want to kind of keep my distance from you. Until you, if you come and tell me you're an apostle, I want to watch you for the next six months. I want to see what your walk's like with God. I want to see your quiet time with the King. I want to see your prayer time with the King. I want to see what you live like. I want to see, is the King answering your prayers? And then if all of your works confirm to me you're an apostle, then I might say, okay, you're an apostle. But just because you walk in and tell me you're an apostle, I ain't going to call you no apostle. And don't you either. You know, don't let anybody... I hate it when people start putting the labels on themselves. You know, their labels should follow them by the people because of their works. Somebody said, man, if I ever saw an apostle, it ought to be her or him or whatever. You know, because of where they walk. But you don't put that on yourself. He says, you have discovered that these people are liars. They say they're apostles, but they're not. They're liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting or without grumbling and complaining. Patiently serve the Lord. So he's very happy with them to this point. But look what the next line says. But I have this complaint against you. In other words, gosh, they've suffered and they've done all. They've been extremely brilliant. And the king was happy with all these things they've done. But now he said, but I have this against you. I'm not happy with you 100%. I wonder what he would say with you and me. I got a feeling he wouldn't be 100% happy with none of us. You know that? I got a feeling. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. How many people do you know that's lost that first love? I mean, I think about little Kathy. When little Kathy got saved, I mean, we were very fortunate. We got this poor little girl saved and filled with the Holy Ghost almost all in the same day. Well, I mean, since I was a Baptist deacon and a Sunday school teacher, and I got her saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, and she's speaking in tongues. When she come to my Baptist church, she all, everybody was going to be like her. And boy, what a rude awakening. I mean, she'd walk up to some of those ladies there. Let me tell you what happened to me. Thurman told me about Jesus. I got saved and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me talk to you in tongues. <laughs> and I never forget some of those little Baptist ladies that put their arm around her and pat her on the shoulder and say, Kathy, you're going to be okay after a while. It, it, it's going to pass. <laughs> they tried everything to cool or quench her spirit. I mean, she was just walking down the halls bubbly. But a few years later, has she lost that, Sharon? <laughs> She's more so now than she ever was, right? She ain't lost her first love. I mean, that little gal's on fire for Jesus. Isn't she, Ty? I mean, she loves the Lord. I mean, if I could, I come in, it don't matter what time I come in. Of course, this morning I went through there way earlier than anybody else. I left, I was through the ministry center at 6.30 this morning. 
But when I got back, it's 10 o'clock or 10.30. I mean, the first thing she wants to do, I got this praise report. You got to hear this. Oh, praise God. She's just on fire. And you know, she just can't be still when she's telling you these praise reports. Thurman, listen to this. And she just got her hands up in there praising the king. I thought, I said, Lord, forgive me for not having that much fire. You know, I need to be just like Kathy. I do go to the ministers there all the time. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Worshiping and praising the King. I, I just, I try to do that a whole lot because He tells us to worship and praise Him. You know, and I serve anybody out there that's happy with what the King does with our ministry. It's me. I mean, all the people that call in and all the prayer requests live and all the miracles we get back. And Kathy's constantly telling me, and Cheryl too, she's telling her, me and Cheryl, about all the things. In fact, Cheryl the other day, she wrote, she wanted to do something nice for little Caitlin, the, Kathy's little daughter. She heard her say she'd love to have some of these little skates with wheels on them, you know? Skate shoes. You know, I'd never seen little skate shoes. The other day I was in Walmart, and some kid came running down the hall and running, and he stopped, and he just kept going. I thought, they're the slickest shoes I ever seen. <laughs> I didn't realize they had little bitty rollers on the bottom of them. And I thought, wow! <laughs> but she's already seen some of those. She wanted them. She had told Cheryl about it or she heard it or something. So Cheryl goes on eBay and she finds a couple that's selling a pair of those. And so she orders the pair. And I think the shoe, the freight and everything is 25 or $30 or something like that. And so I don't know how it happened, but Cheryl wrote the people and told them something about, you know, she wanted these for... A, uh, we had a ministry, and she wanted them for one of the little single mothers there that had a little uh, nine-year-old daughter. She so wanted those, and so she wanted to buy them for her. She'd already paid for them. After she sent the email, the lady sent it back and refunded her money and the freight and everything. And she called her back and said, what did you do this for? I mean, I want the shoes. And she said, no problem. said, we have a ministry ourselves. And said, when you said that touched our heart. Now, see, that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, her husband's in the seminary. Yeah. They have a ministry because he's in the seminary. And they wanted to bless this little single mother with these skates. So we got them a couple days later. And, of course, little little Caitlin, you know, she's out there trying to walk around with those things, trying to fall down and everything else, you know. It's amazing what happens. The front part of them shoes are normal, but the back part's got a roller under them. You know, and you talk about when you tilt it up like this, whoop, everybody, you can go sliding all over the place. So, but I said, it won't be many days. She'll be just like that boy was in Walmart. That he come running down the hallway like this and it does this. Just keep, I thought, wow. I thought he was, I thought the floor was slick. I thought this kid's sliding. He wasn't sliding, he was rolling. <laughs> you never know today, do you? I mean, they come up with all kinds of toys. So you never know what's going to happen. But just look here. The king says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Now, can you imagine the audacity of the king telling us we don't love him enough? Do you think there's anybody in the church you know today that don't love him as much as they did when they first got saved? Yeah, lots of people. In fact, let me ask you this question. For those of you that are married in here, if you've been married 20 years or 30 years, are you still telling your mate you love them as much as you did the first year? No, see, we don't, do we? No. Susan was the first one to jump out of there. She's the first one to commit her sin. 
You need to go home tonight and tell that husband you love him. Grab him by the neck and pull him up and love him. Oh, <laughs> well, when he's not in bed asleep, when he's not in bed asleep, you need to go pull yourself right up to him, hug him, and look him right now and say, "Honey, I just want to tell you how much I love you." you know, it'll do good things for him. It'll do good things for him. And if everybody does it, do good things for you when your mate tells you they love you. Sure, it does. You know, but we all need it. I love you, honey. <laughs> I do. I better not talk about that. Not say that. Because I knew she's listening. Oh, goodness. In fact, I've had so little time with her today. You know, I've been gone working, busy, and flying, and, and doing everything, working on people's cars, and studying the Word, and everything else. And I hadn't hardly had time to even tell her, hi, today. Today has been a very busy day for me. But it, look at You have not loved me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen from your first love. You think it pleases the king when we fall out of love with him? I know it doesn't because he just told us here it doesn't. Turn back to me again and work as you did at first. If you don't, uh oh, if you don't, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Somebody said, Jesus wouldn't do that to us. He said He will. Didn't He? If you don't love Him, and you don't start loving each other, He says, I command you to love each other. But I command you to love Me first, He said. Is that what He said? You're to have no other gods or nothing before Me. You are to put Me first in your life. I am to be number one. You say, but my wife is number one. He said, no, 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 no. Your wife's down the totem pole somewhere. You're, I'm number one. You don't put me number one, you're going to have trouble between you and your wife. I'm going to see to it. You put her, in fact, I'll tell you something that I've said on a couple of times. Probably very few people have picked up on it. But I got a lady healed about 10 years ago, 12 years ago. A breast cancer, terminal breast cancer. She was instantly healed. She was going to die that week, within a few days. I went and spent hours with them and got her healed. And about five years later, with no problems whatsoever, her husband, somebody said something about, wasn't it wonderful what God did for your wife in healing her? He said, well, it wasn't all God. He said, I'm in the health food business, and it's the health foods I fed her that did it. I hate to say this, but in a matter of days, that wife was dead. Isn't that amazing? That you go get her healed, give God the glory, and then one day you try to take part of it. And he said, okay, if you want to think you did that, and I didn't do it. I'll withdraw or with pull my pull my healing power, and we'll see what you can do. And his wife, which he idolized, a very beautiful woman too. I mean, she was a beautiful woman. When I saw her the first time, she weighed about eighty pounds. 
But when I saw her the last time, she weighed about 125 pounds, and I mean she was a, for a 53 or 4 or 5 year old woman, she was what you would consider a model. She was beautiful. Everything in her body. And her husband idolized her. He loved her more than he did God. And he said he had a part of the impact on her getting well instead of God. And so God just withdrew his healing power. And she was dead in a matter of days. Look what he says. Turn back to me again and work as you did at first. Love me. Put me first. And then love your neighbor as yourself. If you do not, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But there is this about you that is good. You hate the deeds of the immoral Nicolaitans, just as I do. Do you think God hates immorality? I know He does. He ain't never changed, has He? He might have died on the cross for sin, but he, this is in the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible. He still don't like sexual immorality. He just don't like it. That's all there is to it. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Everyone who is victorious will eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. You want to be victorious? Just think. He made you a promise. If you don't return and put Him for number one, if you've left your first love, He's going to remove you. That's awful, isn't it? But do you have to be removed? No. He just said if you don't do it. But if you do it, put Him first. Hey, then you can live a long time, right? And your church can be great. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we praise You and thank You for this beautiful day. You have made a beautiful day, Lord. But Lord, every day is beautiful. Some are just more precious than others to us because we enjoy things. Certain th- Some people like to go to the mountains where it's cold, snow, ski. Others like it sun shining clear. Others like it rain, spring. But, Lord, you made them all for all of us. And we praise you and thank you for all of them. And, Lord, we do love you. We love our brothers. And, Lord, we're going to try to walk in the greater love. As Dave and I talk today, Lord, help us to understand truly how to walk in the God kind of love to you and everyone around us all the time. Help us, Lord. Help us to learn how to do this. Lord, we want to do this because you command us to do this and we want to be obedient to you, Lord. We want to have that love. So help us by your Holy Spirit. Show us how to do it. So, Lord, we can be a blessing to others. So you'll always answer our prayers when we pray. And people will be set free, healed, delivered, and, and come to know you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, we give you all the praise and glory for your word, what you've written, so we'll know what you like and what you don't like. And we praise you and thank you for this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.